My friends, let's pray. Gracious God, for the gifts that you have provided, we give you thanks. And Lord, we just ask that you would use them for the benefit of establishing and maintaining and growing the kingdom of heaven in and through and around this place. Come, Holy Spirit, open our ears, our hearts, our very lives to the proclamation of your word through the scriptures and through this broken man's thoughts and meditation. Come, change us personally and the church from the inside out. For we ask this in the Spirit's precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's good to see you today. And uh, our text today is coming from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 9, verses um, 35 through 10, verse 8. Jesus has a plan, and he wants you and me to follow this plan, and it, this plan revolves around three specific words. Ready? I want you to remember them. Motivation, inspiration, personalization. Those three words, Jesus is building the plan of God in his ministry. As we hear our text this morning from Matthew's Gospel, I want us to keep in mind that Jesus is reflecting upon the words of the great prophet Ezekiel from Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, where the prophet Ezekiel confronts the reality, the sad reality, that the shepherds of Israel, of the Jews, that is the leaders, the spiritual leaders, have abandoned post. And the people in, in Ezekiel are compared to sheep without a shepherd. Friends, listen to Matthew's story. And let's see how Jesus interprets all of this. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease, every sickness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And then Jesus summoned the twelve disciples. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanian, 
and then Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You received without payment. Give now with no payment. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, this is one of those times in Matthew's gospel that Jesus outlines, it has outlined his job description. Um, it happens three times, back in chapter 4, once again in chapter 11, where John the baptizer's disciples come and say, Jesus, hey, are you the one? And then we have it here in our text today. Now, did you hear Jesus's purpose description or job description? Did you hear it? He talked about three, he traveled about doing three things consistently. He preached, he taught, he healed. He preached good news, he taught and healed broken people, and straight away, Matthew is outlining for us what Jesus' purpose was among us. And as our text is showing, Jesus is passing that purpose on to you and me, the church. A picture is worth a thousand words. Dr. Hunter Farrell, the director of World Mission Initiative at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, uh, began his presentation by showing his audience a picture. It was a picture of a college-aged woman on a mission trip. And there she was. She had beautiful, bright eyes, this incredible smile. She just had this charisma about her. And, and there, um, sitting on the ground, she was surrounded by several poor children of color, presumably from Africa. Her arm was extended way up in front of her with her cell phone, and she was smiling for her camera. But all the bedraggled children in the photo had this puzzling look on their face as they looked at her. You see, the only one smiling in the picture was this young woman. Farrell went on to say that particularly the Presbyterian Church and other mainline churches have been known for their incredible mission work in the world. We are known for the power and the impact of our mission endeavors over the decades. We have been known to build hospitals, colleges, schools. What happened? Farrell says, whereas there was a time when churches were known for building universities, schools, and hospitals, the church Church's current mission seems to fulfill the need of the missionary as opposed to the ones who need the mission. 
we have turned these into mission photo ops. We've exchanged meaningful mission, he says, for mission selfie experiences that last for a fleeting moment, and sure, they feel good, but we have to ask ourselves, church, are we making a meaningful impact in the long run? Close quote. You see, what Farrell is getting at is, what is the motivation behind doing our mission? We look for motivation to be modeled after Jesus' motivation in our scripture today. And what was his motivation for mission? It's right there at the beginning. It was his compassion for others. He says they were like helpless sheep without a shepherd. Compassion. It is not just a feeling for someone. It's an experiencing the actual brokenness, the sorrow, and the need that the other is experiencing, feeling, and needing. Their need becomes our need, and it becomes our personal desire to alleviate their pain because we feel it with them. Dr. Denise Thorpe, also from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, writes, Compassion frames what Jesus sees, his vision of the harvest. It shapes his charge to the disciples. Participation in that harvest is given to the disciples, received without payment, and they live in grace's unrepayable debt period. Wow. Motivation. Can you think for just a moment the only publicly held NFL team in the United States? Do you know which team that is? It's the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers is not owned by a particular family. It is not owned by a corporation. It is owned by the Packers fans themselves. Think about that. So when in January of 2012, the Green Bay Packers were hosting the New York Giants for a divisional playoff game at Lombau Field, after a night of nearly a foot of snow on the ground, it was the fans who had an investment in this team who came to shovel out the stands and shovel out the field. The city workers didn't do it because the city didn't own the Packers. The private company didn't do it. They didn't own the Packers. The fans owned the Packers. And they were motivated by their investment in the team and they did it themselves. And at 4.30 in the morning of the game, there were over 1,300 people lined up at the stadium, ready in sub-freezing temperatures to blow snow, to shovel snow, to cart snow in order for the game to begin. Their feelings for their beloved Packers was the motivation 
for their efforts. It's what got them engaged. It's what got them involved. It got them going. What kept Jesus going was his motivation, driven by his compassion to make a difference in the lives of his countrymen and countrywomen. Proclaiming the kingdom of heaven was near and indeed among them. Correctly teaching the Old Testament prophets. He brought healing to the broken systems and to people. God's got a plan, beloved, and that plan, there is a specific motivation driving it. But God's plan also must have inspiration. Throughout the gospel stories, Jesus is always trying to get away alone and to pray, to recharge his spiritual batteries. Um, another way to think about prayer is that it is a time for inspiration. You know, I-N capital S-P-I-R-I-T-I-A-N. You see, our English word for inspiration comes from two Latin words, in and sperare, which literally is translated to be breathed in, to be inspirited. Isn't that what we are supposed to do when we pray? To make ourselves available to be inspirited by God? Inhabited with God's Spirit? as we seek God and God's will in our prayers. You see, for this mission to work, Jesus says we have to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus ruse with his disciples. He says, oh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers to bring in the harvest. Missional work, my friends, requires inspiration, an inspiriting from God. In other words, beloved, you and I are um, to be in prayer so that God can reveal to, to us what it means for you and me to have mission, to what we as a church are to do in mission, and then thirdly, that God will gift our motivation for this, mess, uh, for this main mission with resources and people to help us. God's got a plan for mission. And it requires motivation and inspiration. And yet the plan is just a plan until it's personalized. You see, Jesus looked out at this motley crew of disciples in front of him, and that was a motley crew. He looked out at them, and he began to personally call out 12 of them by name. He wasn't just talking to the church. He was talking to individuals in the church. 
There was Matthew, a despised tax collector. There was Peter, who was so wrapped up in compulsivity, he is the one that always put his foot in his mouth. His internal mental governor didn't work. His words blurted out before he had a chance to control him or think about what he was about to say. There was big old hearted, big hearted John Zebedee, the fisherman. He fully understood and related and was in step with Jesus' compassion. There was Andrew, the quiet networker who always managed to get the people who needed to meet Jesus to meet him at the right time. And then there was Judas. Judas, who is an extremist with his views, who ended up selling Jesus out because Jesus did not fulfill his expectations. What a group. It could be you. It could be me. Jesus calls out of this motley group personal individuals with their warts and all to put skin on the compassion for others in the world. Jesus is motivated, driven by his love for the people and for their relationship with God and one another. He uses the inspirited resources he has. To get the job done when others reflect at the end, whoever would have thought. Beloved, what motivates you in your life with Christ in God? Is it primarily? Because of what you get from a relationship with God? Or is your motivation because you want to make a difference in showing compassion to those in the world? Beloved, are you taking hours throughout the day or time throughout the day to be inspirited by God in prayer? Are you taking time to hold yourself up to the light of God's countenance and say, Lord, I am motivated. Now reveal to me what you want me to do. Help me to discover how I can make a difference with compassion in the world. Beloved, are you personally making yourself available for mission? Or are you expecting someone else to do it for you? Motivation, inspiration, and personalization. This is God's plan. The question is are we motivated? Are we inspired? Are we making it personal? Church, we got a lot to think about. Pray with me. 
Holy Spirit of God, as we gather this day, thank you for this time. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would motivate us through our inspired prayers and encounters with you in your presence. Lord, that you would reveal to us how we are to personally make a difference in the kingdom of heaven in and around this place. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Use us. Make us and mold us into the image of Christ as the face of God to the world. So be it. Amen. My friends, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He wants to come in and have dinner with you and you with him. He wants to come in and motivate you. He wants to come and inspirit you. He wants to come in and get to know you personally. So if you would like to make a profession or reaffirmation of your faith in Jesus Christ or talk about what does that mean, please call the church. Please call us. Call me, call Pam, call Nick, and we want to tell you all about it. If you want to become part of this church family, there's always room for you. We'd love to have you. My friends, as we go this day, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and smile sweetly, brightly, radiantly, giving you the peace of Jesus Christ. Go in that peace. Amen. Now, my friends, I invite you to take your candle. And as we go today, we, we extinguish, extinguish the light to take with us. We take this light out as mission in the world. It reminds us of the warm glow of the love of God, the inspiriting of the person of Christ in our lives and in this church. And we take it out personally and make a difference. Take the light of Christ with you.